This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. everybody. Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today you're listening to episode 15 and I'm talking with Wendy Snyder. I heard Wendy on a podcast a few months ago and knew I wanted to have her on this podcast to share her wisdom and insight on positive parenting. I am the mother of four myself and I'm always looking for ways to have a little less chaos in my home. And so some of the tips and tools I heard Wendy talking about really struck a chord with me and I knew I wanted to have a conversation with her. So Wendy is the founder of Fresh Start Families. They have an online community where she gives life-empowering parenting instruction. They use practical, positive parenting tools to create cooperation, build self-esteem, and strengthen relationships from birth to adulthood. She has an online community called The Bonfire. It's a membership site where she works with this community and they have classes and courses. And she also has her own podcast as well called The Fresh Start Family. Now, I am just now jumping into my research and learning about the positive parenting techniques. I feel like we're never too far in. Not that I'm very far in. I have four kids in there. The youngest is only one. Um, But I just feel like we're never too far into our parenting journey to learn more, do better, and find creative ways to influence our kids in the most positive, best way possible. So their motto and a resounding theme that I took from this episode was firm and kind. Firm and kind. So you can still be firm about what you expect about behavior while being kind. I don't know about you, but I have lost control with the yelling way too many times in this house. And I just know that it is not helping anybody when I do it. It's not to say I'm not going to screw up and do it sometimes, even after having these great conversations with people like Wendy, but it's something I want to work on. And so I think talking with people like Wendy can help encourage myself and hopefully other people who want to look into this as well. You all can find Wendy on Instagram. She is Fresh Start Wendy. And you can also find her website and check out all of her resources when you go to freshstartfamilyonline.com. You can also find the Illuminate Podcast on social. We are the Illuminate Podcast on Instagram. And you can find our website, theilluminatepodcast.com. Hey, if you have been loving this show, if you could just take a quick minute to leave a rating and review on whatever podcast app or platform you're listening on, that would be super helpful in helping new listeners find this show. So I would really appreciate it if you would consider doing that. And make sure you check out the other shows in the Sandy Boy Network. I'll have another with Lindsay Hine podcast and the Up and Running podcast. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Wendy Snyder. 
All right, Wendy, welcome to the Illuminate podcast. Today we're talking with Wendy Snyder from Fresh Start Families. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me so much, Lindsay. I'm so excited to be here. You know, I randomly stumbled upon you when I was listening to another random podcast, the Sure Babe podcast. Yep. I was on one of those binges where you're just trying to find a new show that's like your jam. And so I binge listened to a few of her episodes and found you and um, I was out for a run and I was like finding myself wanting to take notes um, with everything you were saying. So I thought you'd be a perfect guest for this podcast. Oh, I love it. That's so cool. Yeah. Chrissy Powers is a dear friend. I love her show also. That that show is really, really good. Sure, babe. So Wendy, can you kind of tell everybody what you do at Fresh Start Families? Yes, I would love to. So I am a positive parenting educator and coach, and I created Fresh Start Family Online a few years ago when I just really wanted to take what I had learned through this work and kind of preach it from the mountaintop, so to speak, so I could help families all over the world, no matter where they live. And that's what's the beauty of the online world is you can, um, you know, you really can reach people, you can create friendships, you can coach people and mentor people no matter what small town they live in anywhere all over the world. But um, but yeah, I stumbled upon the work of positive parenting back actually when I was kind of in a deep, dark valley of parenting. <laughs> I was worried that I was losing my mind and going insane, and um, and thank God I stumbled upon a positive parenting class in my community, and it really changed everything for me. But um, when I found the work, my daughter was three. She was a toddler and uh, had come into the world a very strong-willed personality. <laughs> yes, yeah, like very spirited, just I swear to you, from birth, you could just feel it in her. And... Um, And my son, my second son, so both my kids had colic. So when my second came along, I know, I know. Did any of your four have colic? No. Oh, good. Good. I'm sorry. I think whichever one would have had it would have been the end of me having another child. I know. I I hear about it and it just sounds so, so hard. It was. And in the grand scheme of colic, I think we had less severe colic, but we got two of them, like two kids. It was crazy. And so... By the time it happened the second time, um, Stella was just embarking on the many challenges of toddlerhood. I just left my career in the corporate um, surf industry that I was really happy at, but thought, I think I'm going to stay home and and be with these babies and um, thought it was going to be this beautiful time in life. I had just had my second son and (laughs) it just turned out to be kind of a nightmare. I before long was um, just really just really struggling. I had it, we had kind of always had the the traditional approach with her. Whereas, um, you know, it's like if she, if she got, if she wasn't behaving well, it was our job to make her behave and we needed to figure out how to control her. And we didn't really put it in those words, but we were definitely, we just had a traditional approach. We had just, all that we knew was what we had inherited, right? Um, so before long, my days with her were filled with time out after time out and yelling and anger and um, just anxiety. And I really didn't like her very much. And I was worried about her. We had her at every doctor in the world thinking, you know, maybe is she ODD, ADD? Is she, um, I don't know, anything just like we were like, something is not right here because it was such an intense power struggle with this little girl. Um, and at the same time, my little guy had colic. And so life just became kind of miserable. And 
I found myself in this pit where I just felt very, very alone. And I didn't know that I was at choice. I just kept thinking that we have to like double down on making sure this little girl understands that she um, needs to be put in check and she will not be able to get away with bloody murder in this house. And it was just this very like it was just a it was just a heavy time. And so when we found the positive parenting classes, it just changed everything. Our perspective changed. We were able to just to see the whole situation in a much different light. We were able to understand that there was nothing wrong with her. She wasn't broken. She was just she was just a power kid. She was just probably one of our future leaders, which she has become now at 12 years old. She's just such a light to the world. Um, but back then, we just we had never heard that message before. We just thought when kids misbehave, they're being bad. As parents, if we don't know how to get them in check, there's something wrong with us or something wrong with them. And um, it was just all it just all was not um, the the whole picture that was happening was not living, you know, not leading me to have a joyful, you know, purpose fulfilled life as a stay at home mom. So anyway, so yeah, once I once we learned the work, um, the first class I went to was called redirecting children's behavior. And that program has been around for gosh, I think almost 50 years now. And uh, it was within a few weeks, we started to see really instant results with how she would respond to us when we talked to her differently, when we um, when we worked with her differently, when we disciplined her differently, and we knew we were on some onto something really big. And within six months, I think the whole dynamic in the family started to change. And before long, a few years into it, I just knew that I wanted to get certified to teach it. So here we are, I think almost a decade later, and um, I've gotten a few different certifications in positive parenting. Um, curriculum and have gone on to create my own course. It's called the Foundations Course, as well as another class called Jesus Guided Parenting for my Christian families that follow me. And also have a membership program called the Bonfire, where I get to not just teach families curriculum, which I do through the course, but then I get to support them, like actually in real life application. Like we all in, in theory, it sounds great to be kind to your kids and be patient and take a deep breath and stop yelling, but <laughs> we all know that's easier said than done. And sometimes you just need a support system there for you to, to pop in and ask questions and get coached on. And so that membership uh, group is very near and dear to my heart. It's called the Bonfire. And um, and yeah, that's kind of what my life looks like. I, I'm, I sit in this little office that I'm in recording from today, and I, I get to help people all over the world. So we have over 200 members now from all over the world and thousands of students that have gone through the course. And, and really, it's pretty incredible what's going on in their homes. A lot of families are, are doing really incredible things that um, are just amazing to watch. And it's, I do feel like it's an honor to support them. Yeah, so when you talk about you know, your daughter, she, she must have been what, like two and a half, three? Yep, she was three. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I feel like that's such a challenging time for a lot of families because you have yeah. this new, if you have this new baby at home and really you're trying to nurture and like keep that baby safe while also discipline, I don't know that that's the right word, but also yeah. like make sure that your child is behaving how you would like them to behave. Um, and I think when I look back, I have four kids, and when I look back to when my oldest, um, who I would say uh, is probably has probably been my most challenging child behavior-wise so far, yeah, I'm not proud of how I acted because I didn't know what to do. Right? He, yeah. He's so stubborn, like me. I'm right? very stubborn. He's <laughs> me not. <too. laughs> he's not like his dad. My my husband is very chill, low key. 
We call that str- we call that strong-willed. We okay. call that persistent. <laughs> we call that strong leader mentality. <laughs> We're leaders. Yes. And and you know it is true too because um my oldest son has always had really excellent behavior at school. I mean, even from the time he was in those Mother's Day Out programs, it was like, Marshall is such a strong leader in this group, you know, and so the behavior problems, which I know is very common, happened at home. Um, And oftentimes my husband and I say, man, our number two is Lewis, and he's five now just about. And we're like, man, if he was our only child, we would just have no clue like because he is a very easygoing kid. Yes, he has his like random tamper, temper tantrums that every kid has, but we would be blind to the hardship of really right. challenging behavior. So it's good to have the perspective coming from um, all different angles here. But um, I guess to start off, maybe we can talk a little bit about, um, okay, let's use Marshall, my oldest, as an example when I have a baby and he's throwing temper tantrums, doing things he shouldn't do, um, not listening, instead of me, you know, sending him to timeout or yelling back and things like that, what are some positive parenting techniques that you teach parents to do to, you know, be in charge, but also teach your kids kindness while still being firm? I know those are two things you talk about a lot. Yeah, that firm and kind model, which is what we kind of teach parents is finding that middle ground between too firm, which is the traditional autocratic, my way or the highway, lots of fear and force involved, and too kind, which is permissive, not a lot of rules in the home, kids rule the roost, step all over you, you feel defeated every day. Yeah. (laughs) So the middle ground is like, yeah, how do you be that strong leader and teach your kids these very important life lessons while maintaining order right in your home? And so the first thing you want to in the situation you just gave. So it's Marshall and um, Lewis. Your little, what is his name? Lewis. Lewis. I love those names. Oh my goodness. They're the big guys now, but yeah. Yes. So we, you always want to start because this is such a common experience in families. So a lot of families will find me when that second comes along. <laughs> I'm sure. Sure. Like. God bless all the parents out there with one kid. Sometimes that can get really hard too. But a lot of times I'm like, oh my goodness, you just wait, wait till that second one comes along. It changes everything, right? You guys manage both. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so hard. Yeah. So, but the thing to remember when that transition happens is that you and your child are both going through it. Like, um, and you're together in the hardship of adjusting. So we call it sibling um, rivalry or dethronement. Dethronement is what happens when you bring a new little person into the home and they're just trying to figure out their, how they how they belong in the home. So one of the core, like a few of the core needs that is underneath misbehavior um, that the psychology behind the work teaches us is the need to belong, the need to feel valuable, the need to feel powerful. And these little humans are just trying to figure out how to get those needs met within the new dynamic. So a lot of times what happens, and it definitely happened in our home, is those needs start to get met in inappropriate ways. So when you when they, you know, they push back and you engage and it's like a full power struggle all day long and then you're punishing and, and they're freaking out and and it's just often can become a dance, a pattern, that actually will feel powerful to a child. Mm. So you're now getting their helping their needs get met in a way, and you're setting up a pattern that is not the way you want your kids to learn how to be a leader, right? And they often will kind of just fall into that role of like, that's what I do. I push back. 
I, I can get my my child to engage, my parent to engage. And it's kind of that funny statement of, you know, being an entrepreneur, it's like any PR is good PR, right? Even if it's bad, mm-hmm. you've heard that. Mm-hmm. Whereas with children, they don't really understand logically yet. So they kind of think, you know, any, any attention is good attention. So even if you're screaming and you're engaged in like threats and, and um, kind of unhealthy behavior that you wouldn't do to your neighbor or your mom or your colleague, it still fills that need, which then fuels the behavior moving forward. So again, so we want to switch it up and we just want to start with like empathy and helping them to understand like, hey, it's totally normal that you're frustrated or that you're um, you're bummed that this little human is now in the world because think about it. I mean, they take away all the attention. We do a funny role play in the course, in the foundations course, where we show families what it's like, right? The first child, the first birthday party. Like I know in our house, it was ridiculous. We had like a hundred people. We had like I mean, catered, it was like, and then the second comes along and you're like, eh, you know, um, but when that second comes along, like we're used to taking a hundred pictures of a day of the first child and the first child like gets your attention when he needs it. And then the baby comes along and it's just a whole different world. So they have to adjust to that. And so that dethronement where they no longer are number one, they're searching for a new way to belong in the family. So we would encourage um, parents in that situation to find ways for them to feel powerful, ways for them to feel valuable, ways for them to belong in new ways that aren't quite the same as the old ways. So they can help with the baby. They can um, learn social emotional literacy skills, like how to communicate when you're angry, how to communicate when you're jealous, when you're you're stressed, when you um, don't want the baby to like grab your toy. How do you like deal with that frustration? You know, we teach kids like how to grab your shirt and say, I feel mad or mom, I need help. So they get that kinesthetic energy out. Like there's lots of things families can do. But the, the number one is just to understand that it's so normal. Like and there are so many ways that you can get your kiddo out of that like kind of fight or flight mode of like this is really bad my my role in this family is being threatened and um you know we want to just prevent them from going down the unhealthy path and if they're already there we just want to redirect them into a different way to feel powerful to feel like they belong to feel valuable yeah, I've heard you talk about this um, like creative redirection and also the toolbox situation where you're kind of offering other ways for them to redirect what they're focusing on. And I actually I've tried this a couple of times with my my oldest again, Marshall. He's he's seven now, but we still have like some pretty massive temper tantrums and. I have told him when he feels angry, I'm like, can you go outside and like stomp on the ground or something to like redirect that energy? Not at me because you're angry about something and you're taking it out on me, but I'm not necessarily the reason you're angry. You just are wanting to take it out on something. Um, So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, well, it sounds like Marshall may be the type of kid we call him kinesthetic kids, which his mama's probably kinesthetic, your jogger exercise mm-hmm. movement, right? So a lot of times, uh, kids like this just need to move, they need to like have they so for Stella, for example, she's always been a kinesthetic kid. When she was three in gymnastics class, and she like had trouble sitting still, she was like, her best friend was with her in class, and she would not just hug her, she would tackle hug her. And I'm like, <laughs> 
why stop <laughs> um and she just was was like more likely to hit or push or mm. punch the wall or slam the door or when she was three throw the calming kit down the stairs when I tried to implement self-calming instead of timeout <laughs> <laughs> um she was just very kinesthetic and so now like now that we've learned to honor that from a long time ago um we got her into drums now she's she's been drumming since she was five and it turned out to be like the perfect outlet for her because she's an epic drummer now she's an incredible musician she's also a beach volleyball player so yeah teaching these kids teaching marshall like hey there's nothing wrong with you you're not broken like anger is a healthy emotion it's healthy you don't need to feel guilty about it you don't need to feel shameful about it and you're also a kinesthetic kid which means that you may need to go get some movement so it's like at the advanced version of this conversation is actually teaching human beings that they don't always have to like communicate anger in a physical way but a lot of times kids do that really does help them so for example for marshall we would say to him okay um at seven he could create a calming chart so when i feel angry i can and he could put all the things that he can do on there and walking outside or jumping on the trampoline or hitting the baseball or um, like Stella at the time when she was three and made her little calming chart. She had like a little character named Cubby. It was a blow up doll and she knew she could hit that if she really needed to okay. but she also had essential oils. She had snacks and water. She was always so sensitive and, get, and would get hangry. So they have choices, which empowers them. So power kids who often push back a lot or, you know, don't like to be told no or will, you know, will say they're the ones that challenge us the most. They really love to be in charge of the own boat. They need to they love to be steering their ship. When they feel like someone else is steering their ship, their misbehavior often goes up because their need to feel powerful, like their bucket of feeling powerful is low. So choices through a chart or a calming bag or something like that, just give them options. They're like, oh yeah, I'm in charge, which is what we want to teach our kids. We want to teach them kids like, hey, you are in charge of calming yourself down. My firm limit is I will not allow you to hit me or you know, hurt me or the house or anything. And I'm going to support you to teach you how to take care of yourself when you feel angry. Because that's a lot of lessons that most of, that's a lesson that most of us didn't get when we were young. And we're, we figure it out as adults but how cool that you can teach a kid like from a very early age. These are the five emotions, happy, mad, sad, hurt, and scared. And you're going to feel all of them. Life is not just about being happy. And then later in a calm time, Lindsay, is when you would want to talk to him about why he keeps getting so angry with his brother. What's behind that? What can he do from a preventative, proactive standpoint to get to a better place where he's not, you know, move, like not dipping down into that like super reactive volcanic state? And there's things that all of us, whether it's us reacting or our kids reacting, things we can do on a proactive, preventative front that makes tomorrow mm. more of the situation that we want it to be. Yeah, I love that that idea because, you know, so much of me right now is like, but how do I stop it from happening in the first place? But you have to implement right. the proactive stuff because, you know, right now, even so, like, what do I do if my kid hits me right now? Or like, what, you know, he'll like do this, like pull his yeah. arm back, like he's gonna hit me. Like, what's my immediate reaction? What should it be? Well, I'll tell you, honestly, what everyone's listening is, is it's like, oh my gosh. And let's be and tell me if this you agree with this, if sure. this is the honest part of it. Oh my gosh, if I don't put this kid in check, 
then right. people are going to think I'm a bad parent. People are going to think that I'm allowing this kid to almost hit me. To me, it almost goes to like fear of external judgment and like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know. I do often, I do think also to myself, like, oh my gosh, I can't let him do that to me. But it's more like, <laughs> I swear there's more of like external judgment. No, it, it's so true because, you know, I'll just say an example, like when it happens in front of like my mom or my neighbor, for instance, I feel extra self-conscious, like, oh man, she does not have control of her kids. And so I feel like I need to immediately, you know, like exactly like what you said, put him in his place so I can show who's boss. But I don't love doing that. I just don't know what else to do. Exactly. So here's a few things to encourage you with. So remember that, you know, later is always the best time to teach, Mm -hmm. right? So, and yes, just be, I think parents just need to be aware of the extra pressure that the fear of judgment puts on you Mm -hmm. right now, but to, to break habits in a really healthy, sustainable way and to teach kids these important life lessons, we've got to have a long-term view. So for example, for Marshall, if he's used to doing that, you can teach him later and I'll get back to what you do in the moment, but you can teach him later at bedtime. Hey, Lately, you've been doing that thing, and, and my little guy, nine, he doesn't do it at me, but he does it towards his sister, mm-hmm. or he winds up and he pretends. He does it towards the dog. So mm-hmm. it's like a thing amongst seven to nine-year-olds. So earlier, when you did that, and I see you doing it a lot lately, I know that you do not want to hit me because you are kind, you are mm-hmm. loving, you are strong in real powerful ways. Not just because you have big muscles, buddy, but you are strong because your heart is giant. You are strong because you care about people. You care about me. So I know to my core, Marshall, that you don't want to hit me. I think what you're trying to communicate when you do that is just that you feel frustrated or you feel mad or that you feel hurt by something I did. Like maybe when I snapped at you, and like, or maybe the tone I used with you when I asked you to like put away your bike, I'm thinking back, like maybe that was a little hurtful or, or snappy, or maybe I'm realizing I might've had an attitude. Like, is that, does that feel more in line? Like that you were hurt, mad or angry, or just say, maybe you were just feeling mad. And usually they'll say, yeah, Court, I don't want to hit you, mom. Like, that's not, that's not who you are. Okay. Next time I need you to try this then. Okay. So let's look at the chart next time. Let's figure out a plan when you're tempted to do that, whether it's with me or a kid from the playground, you have all these options because that is not an option. It's not going to get you anywhere in life. It's not going to get you to like have the kids play the game you want them to play on the the recess. It's not going to get me to do what you want anymore. It's actually puffs me up a little bit and it, and it just creates tension between us. And that's not how I want to live my days. So here's your options for tomorrow. Which one are you going to choose? And then you practice it with them. You role play. Okay. Let's pretend now, like say, like I said, it was time to come in and you did not want to come in because the boys were still out playing baseball, the neighbor boys, but I'm like making you come in. I want you to pretend that you're really mad at me. And now I want you to choose a different way, Mm. something like that. And in the moment, you can just say to your kids when he winds that up, you can say something like, hey, I'm not okay with that. No, thanks. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk later about it. And I need you to find another way to communicate right now. Say it. Say, I feel mad, mom. In front of your mom, you're saying this. Go ahead, Marshall. Say, I feel mad at you, mom. I feel frustrated. Kids are, I always tell my kids, they're always allowed to tell me how they feel. It's never disrespectful to tell someone how you feel. But don't make someone else think that they made you feel like that. So we teach kids to own their emotions. No one makes you feel 
mad. No one makes you feel scared. It's that's just a we we own our emotions. So when we own stuff, so I statements, I am not okay with that. I'm gonna help you later figure out a different way to communicate. You can tell me right now how you feel, and then I need you to go take a calming break. I'm gonna do the same because right now I'm my I'm breathing heavy. I'm feeling angry too, but I don't want to say something that I regret right now. And if someone's listening to you, that's like, I would be like, dang, that's a strong leader right there. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't need to be like, if you, if you do, if you do that one more time, right. you are getting your iPad taken away right. and you will be grounded for the entire weekend. Go yeah. ahead. Talk to me like that again. Do that again. Oh, I can't stand it. And, but I, no. I hear myself doing it. But yeah, I can't we all stand do it. until you yeah. real until you practice the other yeah. way. Like everybody does. So don't. I know it's the empty yeah. threats. You know that is something that I think about often, and my husband and I talk about this because you know, in the moment, like one of you is either like, "It's fine, it's not a big deal," and the other one's like up on their high horse, and then you flip, yes. and yep. you're like, "Why are you so angry right now? It's not that big of a deal. They're fine. We'll get through right. this." And it's, it's really a good thing, really, that you're both usually not super angry at the same time. But one of the things I really can't stand is that empty threat. Like, hey, if you don't do this or if you don't stop doing this or if you do this one more time, we're not going to the birthday party. When I darn yep. well know we're going to the birthday party because I want to exactly. go to the birthday party, <laughs> you know. Um, oh, she's a cake. <laughs> right? Like, I'm going. Like, I need to get out of this house. We're going to the birthday party. Yes. Yeah. But I use that threat and, um, or, oh, this one drives me crazy. It's like parents do this all the time and, and I've definitely done it before. Like you're not going to get any Christmas presents or, you know, like we're going to take away the birthday presents or whatever. Friends not going to come over and play. So what, what is a strategy that can replace that? Because I feel like that is just a go-to thing for everybody to say and everybody hears everybody else saying it. So that's just what you do. Yes. Okay. So this is perfect. So Terry and I, my husband and I have a podcast. It's called the Fresh Start Family Show. And we just recorded an episode on this okay. just a few days ago. Awesome. And so it's called Taking a Break from Threats. Okay. So by the time this launches. I I'm haven't sure. listened to that one yet. I've binge listened too. No, we just recorded it. Oh, so. it's not out yet. Okay. I was like, I don't think I've seen it. Yes, by the time this episode comes out, I'm sure it'll be yeah, out because it's sure. coming up soon. Um, but yeah, this is such a good such a good question. So in positive parenting in the work, you know, my foundations course and my membership program, I really mentor families on how to get totally rid of fear and force in their home. They do not rely on it anymore whatsoever. Speak. So, and here's the thing that comes along with fear and force, which is threats and, you know, laying physical hands on and almost having an intention to scare or having an intention to make the kids feel worse in order to make them behave better, right? So the thing with fear and force that comes along with all that is also bribery and rewards. Mm -hmm. And those four things together just is toxic and it drains you as a parent Mm -hmm. because I believe all parenting is hard. (laughs) So if you might as well just have a solid toolkit that you feel really confident about that you led with integrity when you lay your head on your pillow at night versus the toolkit where it just makes you feel like you're inauthentic, you're a bit of a liar, you're full of empty threats, and you're just like more of a correctional officer or a police officer in your home. Love police officers. Um, but it's just a ta- it's just a very exhausting cycle to be in. So when it comes to threats, a lot of times they are empty, right? Because right. we don't we don't like it's inauthentic. We don't want to do that. And but but we think traditionally, like it culture has taught us or a lot of what we inherited, 
we think that we have to do those things. So how many times have you said to yourself or heard people say like, well, I wish I didn't have to yell, but my kids make me. They won't listen to me if I don't raise my voice. Or gosh, my kids won't listen unless I threaten to take something away. Or, um, you know, things like that. So, but it's not true. So when it comes to what you can do instead of those few things, um, and we, and again, we cover, we cover all that in that episode of taking a break from threats, but you can make agreements ahead of time. So that is part of that proactive plan that we touched on a little bit is like anything that's a pattern in your family life, Mm -hmm. you want to be at night jotting down your plan for how you're going to make agreements with your kids tomorrow about it. So we all have those things like every night, this is a nightmare, the dinner table or bedtime or Mm -hmm. getting in the car in the morning or like, and so at the front of the foundations course, we have like a little um, printout where families can actually like plan out what the agreements look like. Um, And then we go through a whole scenario on how you make effective agreements, how the difference between agreements versus compliance statements with your kids, which is a big deal, which makes them really honor the agreements. What's its time? Big difference. And then we talk about how you have to assume the integrity in your kids when you're tempted to go jump to the threat. And then third, you can have new language around it. So Mm -hmm. should you forget the agreement, then this will happen. So, and it's always your, your role in the home. You should always see yourself as a guide for your kids, as a facilitator of safety, as a, you know, as just a, a mentor for your kids, not in, and when you see yourself in that, in that role, it's a lot easier to include your kids on how the day is going to go. And then just remind them, oh yeah, remember life is made up of choices. And should you choose to make this choice? We talked about it. This, this will happen. And it's, and it, and it, and it makes you get creative because and you what have is to- the this? Like, what's an example of the this? Right. So, like, you're at the table, you're not um, doing your part of the agreement where we said we'd sit down, you know, whatever, and they don't know yeah. what are, because it's not a threat. So, what is, what happens? Yeah, well, let's, example. let's show the difference right now. So, what is your threat right now? Um, okay. <laughs> so, say everybody's, not behaving at the dinner table. That's a simple, not crazy, bad behavior, but whatever. Everybody or is it one? Um, probably two. Okay. Probably two. Two, <laughs> um, two of three because the baby would already be in bed. Um, and then I would say, if you guys don't sit at the table, you're not going to get a play with the neighbor tomorrow. Something like that. Okay. And then the day comes tomorrow. And what happens? probably depends on how I feel. <laughs> Right. Have you ever stuck to that? Have you ever kept them inside while the other one goes and plays? I have. And said, this is because you didn't sit still at the dinner table last night? I have, but I, it's not always. It's definitely it's not, not always. always. And did it work? Did it stop the behavior? Or do they still get rowdy at the dinner table right now sometimes? It still happens sometimes. It still happens. So it's not working for you. Right. So you actually gave a threat, carried through with it, and it still didn't work to teach. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think it's so important that we highlight what's happening because when you hear the other way, you're like, um, oh, sometimes, not yeah, everybody, sure. but often you're like, mm, I don't know, that's yeah. going to work in my home. Uh-huh. I don't, my kids will laugh at that, right? So this, what, what, you know, as far as the what is the 
if, like, right. what do you do? Do, do this it. is yeah. part of the compassionate discipline toolkit. So I just did a few webinars just last week where families from all over the world showed up to learn how do you build out a compassionate discipline toolkit versus relying on traditional punishment, which is based in fear and force. So with compassionate discipline, when you sit down to make agreements with your kids, it's also a really good time to add a fourth step onto their fifth step, really, I'll tell you in a minute, of you know, should you forget, what do you think should happen? And when you include them in on the conversation, when they're in a neutral state of mind, they're actually will help you come up with some good ideas. Sure. And when you come up with those ideas, they have to, they, a rule of thumb is they follow the four R's, which is what makes up compassionate discipline. When you're, when we're talking about logical consequences, so that's, it has to be related, has to teach responsibility, it has to be respectful, and it has to be reasonable. And the four steps that we teach as like a proactive method to to upping the chance that they will keep the agreement is you make that proactive agreement. You give them empathy as soon as they start to get rowdy and push back instead of right now, Lindsay, you might jump right to, hey, you guys, sit, I told you, do you want me to, mm -hmm. do you want me to, you know, and it's like, it's, you roll right into a threat. Whereas this, you roll right into empathy. Guys, I can see that it's hard for you to sit at the dinner table. You're five and you're seven. Like I get it. And what was our agreement? You know, and then they repeat the agreement and then you give them choices. So you can tell stories. We can tell, you know, scary ghost stories while we sit here at the table or we can pretend to eat like, you know, a horse foot or something <laughs> up to you. However, I need I need you to sit still like we talked about or I need you to be respectful at the dinner table. This just came up in our membership group last week. Um, and should you and then the fifth step is should you forget that agreement yeah. Or should you not be able to carry through or keep the agreement? Then remember what we talked about. And so when you do the planning in advance, you would come up with things like they would be in charge of doing all the dishes that night. Okay. They would do all, maybe they would do all the dishes because you were unable to relax at the dinner table. So therefore afterwards you're going to need like mm -hmm. 10 minutes to unwind because you're feeling stressed and you need to go take a calming break. So like they're going to need to do all the dishes that night and wipe the counters and prep, you know, whatever, like you could go down that route. Another, another idea in that scenario would be like, I think we need to roll the bedtimes back a little bit earlier because it seems like dinner is too late and you guys are going to bed too late because I think you're up too long during the day. And so you're not, your body is not having enough energy right now to be a good listener because when you're well rested and your body's taken care of, you are a great listener. There are so many times during the day when like you are such a good team member, you do what's asked of you, you add to the peace in the family. But at this time of night, it just seems like you're not getting enough rest. So tonight we will, you know, we'll have an earlier bedtime. And these are all things you would plan out in the planning that would maximize your your ability to not go. That's it. You're going to bed. It's like, yeah. hey, remember we talked about it? Yeah, we, we talked about this, you guys. Yeah. It's not just mom throwing down the hammer and being a crazy person. It's we talked about in a calm time how we all love to have a peaceful time at dinner where we get to tell each other about our day or share what we're excited about for Christmas. Like we all talked about how it's so hard when the dinner table is like super stressful and mom gets super mad and I threaten like you guys don't want that. I don't want that. Like we're all on the same page here. However, we're a team. We have to work together or else it won't work. So that's just like the dishes and the early bedtime are just two examples. But the more you go down that path, the more you start to get creative. And I will say empathy will lead to creativity. So when you can have empathy for your kids, that's that's like 
oh, you're seven. Yeah. You're five. Of course you don't want to sit still at the right. dinner table. Right. Well, and I what I'm, yeah. And what I'm hearing too is that the toolbox or whatever the agreement, yeah. the toolbox, the agreement, all these like resources you're talking about for the different scenarios, like they're going to be unique to the kid. Be- yeah. The situation. Yep. Yeah. Like my five-year-old who I said has such a different personality than my seven-year-old, like their toolkit and resources need to look different because they're different people and they react differently. Um, and I was just thinking about this scenario cause I was going to bring this up to on the podcast with you. Um, I recently wrote this blog post. I was just, I had a day with my kids and my five-year-old, um, he, I don't know where he heard it, but he keeps saying the word hate and yeah. he'll say, I hate you. I hate my friend. I hate that food. And it just, Oh, I just, that is the one I would rather Me him too. say the F word. Right. I would rather him say any other word <laughs> than know. hate. And I'm, it just, and and I'm trying, I've been, you know, listening to your podcast. So I've been trying to implement these strategies and, and I'll say, you know, that makes me really sad to hear you talk like that. Like, I really don't want to hear you say that word. But then it continues. So the example I was, I'm going to give you is, um, I, I tried so hard to, to use that, like, you know, I don't want you to talk like that. It makes me really sad. And then I went, I revert, reverted and went back to the threats. Like, hey, if you say that yeah. one more time. And I, I did the threats. And then what it resulted in was him in his room, him coming out five times and my one-year-old crawling up the stairs, my three-year-old, you know, like destroying the house. I just want to keep my one-year-old safe from him. And I ended up spanking him because I was like, yeah. I don't know what else to do right now. And so... I didn't like it. And I told him I was yeah. going to do it. I didn't like, you know, I just said, Hey, I'm going to spank you now. Cause you're not listening. And I need you to stay in your room and I have to make sure the little boys are safe. Um, and so I did, and he didn't come back out. And then I came back in his room and he was quietly reading a book. I still wasn't happy that I spanked him, but in the moment I didn't know what else to do. But listening to you, I'm like, maybe I should have just let it go in the moment, told him how I felt and then revisited it later. What, okay, you, what so would you have done? <laughs> let's just, re, let's walk through it. Okay. Okay. So let's walk through it so we can give you a, cause I, I know listeners love a real tangible, yeah. like exactly applicable to a real life situation. Yeah. Um, and so, and the thing with, with the fear and force that you guys have to remember is I know that in the moment it can be so such a facade. It's like a sneaky devil that it's yeah. like, look, it worked. Yeah. It worked. He yeah. Cause he's reading down. his book now. And oh my goodness. Right. Yeah. However, he's seven or nine. Which he, one? This one's the five-year-old. Oh, five-year-old. Okay. So he's five. Yeah. So what happens a lot of times with the fear and force is they will just become better at hiding it. Mm. And they'll often become better at doing it behind your back mm-hmm. and it will create a strain in your relationship and that will become your go-to. So I've heard a lot of parents go say, my parent, my kids won't listen to me unless I yell at them. Yeah. And I always ask them, how many times do you have to ask? How many times do you have to ask for something before you yell? And usually like five. Yeah. So that will become a pattern in your life where that is, you have to keep upping the game. Whereas if you want to, if you want to have a lesson taught and you want to have possibly some uh, cooperation, then you got to take him in the back bedroom at the birthday party and lay your hands on this child. And then one day he will become like my brother did a six foot two man. Mm -hmm. And 
at that point, your ability to use fear and force in his life will be a whole lot harder. Mm -hmm. And I see this happen all the times with families. You have to keep upping your game so much. You have to be able to, the stuff you are threatening to take away or to to think that you could scare a kid like that when he's got a strained relationship with his parents already, they start to just not care. And they often can go down a route that is just not what we want, right? So the goal is to keep the relationship super tight and to model what we preach, to practice what we preach. So if we don't want our kids laying hands on other kids when they're frustrated or don't know what to do, we've got to model not laying on our kids hands on our kids when we're frustrated and don't, don't know, know what, what to, to do. do. And that's, that's what happened to you, right? You were yep. just frustrated and you didn't know what to do. Exactly. And you were scared. I think probably at the root of what happened was there was probably an element of you being scared that he was going to grow up to maybe be someone that you are very scared of, like a, a racist. Um, uh, I, there's a reason why it made you sad. Yeah. That's like the word the hate, best. like I don't want my, it makes me so sad to think of my little five-year-old thinking anything, anything with the word hate. Like I'm like, ooh, that's so icky. Yes, because you probably have some adult experiences with people who use that that word. Yeah. But this is a five-year-old we're working with. Right. So we're taking our adult experiences and putting that onto a child, which it just gives us perspective, right? Like it's often not this four-alarm fire that we think it is that would cause you to have to go down this route of laying hands on your child and saying, when I'm scared and don't know what to do, then I'll choose to lay hands on a human being, overpower them and hurt in order to get them to do what I want. But really it's not a four-alarm fire because to a five-year-old, He's not thinking like he just hates peas, right? <laughs> but however, that doesn't mean we don't want you to teach. We That right. does not mean that we don't want you to have firm limits in your home. I have the same firm limit. My children are not allowed to say the word hate because I have like a real like sensitive pain point there for people like white supremacists or like I that is like it's. Yeah. So that is what comes to my mind. So I work with them from a very young age. Hey, there's other options. So let's go backwards and just teach you how to redo it. Sure. Okay. So, so he started saying this word hate and he says it about what he, you said it, he said, he says it to you. I hate you. I hate you. Yep. And what else? He said, it, this is what really made me sad is he said it about his friend and it was because he like got in a dispute with his friend about a toy <laughs> and he said, yeah. I hate this person. And I, that is when I got really upset because it's like, Saying about his food, saying it to me, yes, it's hurtful. Yeah, about the food. It's not hurtful about the food, but like I don't want him saying that. And it's it's hard for me to hear a five-year-old say that. But when he said it about his friend. Okay. Okay, great. So that's what spun it out into that night. Yeah. Right? Okay. So just I just want you to make sure you everyone's seeing it very clearly. So this little boy, we call this revenge misbehavior. And it's one of the four categories of misbehavior. Again, we have a podcast episode about this on the Fresh Start Family Show. It's in the foundations course. One of the four different categories of misbehavior is revenge. That means when a child feels hurt, he thinks mm. the only way to feel better is to hurt back. Mm-hmm. Often because that's what's been modeled to him. Mm-hmm. And then you had, let's call it a misbehavior, right? Because mm-hmm. I would coach you to do it sure. different. You made a mistake in my eyes and that doesn't make you bad or it just means that 
I would love to support you more, right? Sure. I just want to give you more options because if you were, if you had fluency in this work, you probably wouldn't have chosen that. And but, I don't want to do that. Like I have four kids. I don't right. want to do this four times. <laughs> like I don't want to oh, continue to feel like this over and over again for the next 10 years. <laughs> yes. So, um, but for, but for example, when that happened and things started to spin out of control and you felt not only hurt, I don't think you felt hurt by what he said to his friends, but once he started to come out of his room and push boundaries and destroy mm-hmm. your night, you felt that that's the feeling. Anger was probably in there, Lindsay, but hurt, I want you to feel that because hurt is like, we could have had a great night and you destroyed it. You caused this. Like, that's, I do not yes. deserve this. I made you dinner. I take care of you. I like, I do not deserve this. Like, it's a feeling of hurt. And so you chose to hurt back in order to take care of yourself. And you chose to overpower. So power kids often will move into revenge misbehaviors. So power kids, they're the ones that push, push back, right? They're like, don't say that. And he's like, yes, I will. And you're like, no, you won't. Yes, I will. Stay in your room. No, I won't. Yes, you will. No, I won't. So power kids often have a mistaken belief that in order to feel powerful, they must overpower others because, again, that's what's been modeled to them. So what I'm proposing for all the families okay. listening and for you is to do it totally different. Okay, It's like such a paradigm shift where you literally teach these kids like, hey, you, Lindsay, can be a strong leader, feel super powerful when you lay your head on your pillow at night by being firm and kind and holding to your values and your strong limits without hurting your kids and without overpowering them. That's where I want you to start feeling power as in your motherhood walk. And this is how we're going to do it. So we go back. He says, I hate, I hate, I hate Gary. Gary sucks. I hate Gary. Right away. You're like curiosity. Tell me more. Why would you say that? You know, I'm not okay with that word. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But tell me more. What's going on? Did Gary say something? Like, did something happen on the playground? It seems like that might have been a reaction to something. Can you tell me more about what happened? Mm. So when you start to do this with your kids, you're building relationship and trust. Mm. And trust me, this kid of yours, this cute kid, I'm sure, is not just walking around like saying, I hate you, to get push your, your button, to push his kids' buttons. He's reacting to something in a way that you're going to teach him to do it differently. So most likely, I bet you if you ask him tonight, hey, I never asked you, why did you say that about Gary? Mm-hmm. He's going to tell you, well, Gary sometimes is really mean to me. Gary sometimes lies. Gary told me that I'm an awful basketball player. And this is, I have a nine-year-old, so I hear this all the time. Um, Gary told me I'm fat. Mm-hmm. Gary told me, and you get to say to them, oh, that must have hurt. Well, you know what? I'm going to teach you how to take care of yourself when you feel hurt so you don't have to hurt back to others. Mm. I'm also going to teach you what to do when you don't know what to do. So let's practice because you know I'm not okay with the word hate, right? It it actually, And I'll tell you why. It actually scares me. And I want to show you a picture of some people who have done some really, really awful things in the world with hate being the focus of their life. That's why it scares me so bad. I'm not making you stop saying hate because I just want to overpower you, kiddo. I just want you to understand that it represents something that's very scary to mommy. That's why I'm, I'm, that's my firm rule. And so here's all your options. You can say, I really don't like Gary. I really am mad at Gary. I really feel hurt by Gary. I don't like the way Gary treats me on the, the blacktop. All these things that you would teach him at bedtime that night, mm. then you would have him practice. So, um, 
I don't have my my puppets are right over there. But you would practice with puppets. You would practice with Paw Patrol characters. You would practice. I when Taryn was five, we used to do a lot of matchbox cars. This is what we call a redo or a role play. So okay. both of those. Okay. So I want to. Ma- I want you to imagine. Actually, let's do it, buddy. Um, Lewis, actually, hop out of the car. I'm gonna actually like. Let's get back in the car, and I want to pretend that we did it differently. So you really get the feeling of what it feels like to speak about someone respectfully and also express mm. what you need to tell me. Okay, hop in, hop in. Okay, hey, buddy, how was your day, Lewis? Oh, yeah, you played with Gary. How'd that go? Oh, uh, mm, uh, you, um, okay, you can do it. You can do it. Choose one of the things. Like, go ahead. You got this. I don't like Gary, Mom. Awesome. You did it. For high five. You did it. Okay, tell me more. Why don't you like Gary? What happened today? Okay, then you go through the role play. You go through the redo. That's actually a redo, what I just did when you got back in the car. Then you say to him, how do you feel now? Because we weren't designed to talk negatively about people. So our hearts are going to tell us. You're going to feel yucky after you talk mm-hmm. negatively about someone behind their back. Mm-hmm. That's what we call our internal. This is a lot for a five-year-old. You would pick and choose what you want to tell him. Um, but how do you feel now? Like, no wonder you were mad at him. No wonder you like you don't like him sometimes. That's got to be really hard to be around. But hey, little buddy, I have the honor of teaching you important life lessons. And one of them is you're going to be around a lot of people in life that are unkind to you. And you don't have to hurt them back. You don't have to feel like um, you're not a good person because you don't know how to handle yourself. This is how you walk away. I'm going to start modeling that for you more because, you know, last night, a few nights ago, when I got so upset and I didn't know what to do, so I spanked you. Well, that I think that was a mistake. So tonight at bedtime, I want to redo that situation and I want to leave a new imprint in your head and in my head that I have different choices. So both of us can have a different plan of action tomorrow and we're going to actually practice it. So what I'm hearing, um, because I think that my biggest struggle has been, um, well, A, I, I really like that you bring up the external thing too, because that is huge. Like, and I, and I, I just think through this, but I think my biggest thing I go back to the little boys I'm like I'm one person and how do I deal with this while keeping these people safe and I wanted the quick fix I wanted to fix it immediately but what I'm hearing from you is like address it tell the child like this isn't okay and and the discipline comes later the talking about it comes later. The maybe discipline's the wrong word, but discipline's good. No, this is okay. Good. The role play and the the teaching moments. I might not be able to do that right in the moment because I've got my hands full with the other kids. But I, but we we briefly talk about it and then we come back to it later. Is that what I'm I'm hearing this right? Absolutely. I love that you're solidifying it. And I want you to really tr- um, speak truth in your heart and your mind. So when you say I wanted like the quick fix. That's what we still label it. The spanking was a quick fix. But I want you to think about that. All your kids were watching you when you did that. They know what you you went in there and did. And when they're challenged on the playground next week, they're going to remember that, that that's an option. You just smack someone. That's how you. So the quick fix now has possibly created other problems in your life, which now you have to address. So it's actually not a quick fix. It's it's a, I don't even know what to call it. 
you know, it's... <laughs> but you know what I mean? I want you to just, I just want us all to remember that there are always, there's always going to be other things that come up when we show our kids that's how we solve the problems. But you're right. Everything you said is right. Yes. Teaching later, not reacting like a volcano to it. I don't, how dare you say that? You know, we don't say that in this yeah. house. Yeah. That's yeah, what that's your initial, okay. that's what you want to do. Yeah. Right. So, and remember this, Lindsay, is like, this is social emotional skills that we're teaching our kids. So just like math, English, kids don't always just get it like immediately. Sometimes they need years yeah. to do this. So when our babies learn how to walk, how, how old's your little son? What, he's like 15 months. He's 15 months. And how, when did he start walking? A couple months ago. Like A couple months ago. 15 months, yeah. Okay. So when he started walking, um, you know, he stands up and those first steps, you're like, what's his name? Um, Sandy. Sandy is a, is a boy it's or a boy. Girl? Yeah, they're all boys. Oh, that's right. They're all boys. Yeah. Okay, Sandy. Oh, you're like, oh, Sandy's walking. Come here. Like, come, yeah. come. You can do this. You've got this. And then what happened to Sandy? Mm, he gets excited and he walks more. He walks more. But what happened at some point? Did he walk fluently, like perfectly, like a perfect walker? From oh, the time right. No. He what? He, what happened? He stumbles. He fell. Yeah. And so when he falls, when he fell a few months ago, when he first started learning, he still falls. Are you like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> no. I told you how to do this. Like, no, of course not. Right. You're like, it's okay. Get up. Try again. I'm not going to give up on you. You got this. It just takes practice. Yeah. It takes practice being in situations that are uncomfortable, little person, that you'll get better at not saying the word hate. I believe in you. And I just, mm. just so you know, I will never let go of this limit. In this home, we'll never be allowed. So I will keep working with you yeah. and we will keep having logical consequences, which are role plays and redos and practicing and makeups, whatever it is. Those are some of the things we, we teach in the compassionate discipline module of the foundations course. I will keep doing that until you have success and you will have success. Just like, just like Sandy, he will walk fluently one day. Yeah, I love that. And, um, I know that's something else you guys have talked about too, is like, um, like the guilt and shame piece, because it's like, as adults, like we, we mess up, like we mess up all the time and we deserve to be given that grace to, to try again. And so I, I love that piece. I have so many more questions, but I know we need to wrap up. Um, I know I have another interview at three. I'm like, no, I don't want to stop. Um, cause I have so many other questions regarding, Lots of things. Like I just listened to your episode with, um, is it Susie Wellington? She's the Susie mom. Walton. Yeah. Walton. She has four boys. And I yeah. listened to that this morning on the way to another interview. And I just loved the talk about sports and development. Yes. And oh my gosh, because I'm such a minimalist myself with how many activities, organized activities I put my kids in. Yes, um, good. Yes. Knowing that I'm movement and all that is super important, but it doesn't need to be, you know, in an organized sport, but I feel like that's a whole nother podcast for a whole nother day. Her story is so cool because her, her son literally grew up to be the coach in the Lakers. I know. I mean, the Lakers. And it's like, so, and, and what she say, he didn't play organized until he was like nine. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe even older. It might've been older, but yeah, she yeah. might've been nine. I'm, I don't remember, but it yeah, was older. It was for sure. Yeah. It was older than what the, our norm is yeah. here in the yeah. society. Okay. Well, we're going to link everybody in the show notes where they can find Fresh Start Families and your courses. Let's wrap up with a couple of end of the podcast questions that, that we always do. Um, 
Wendy, who is someone in your life, maybe a mentor, a coach, or just a friend that is illuminating the world around them and just sharing good, positive stuff? Yeah. So speaking of Susie Walton, um, she was actually who came to mind when I saw this question come through on our email. She is, she's become a dear friend, but she's the one who introduced me to positive parenting eight years ago, nine years ago. She's been teaching positive parenting educational work for over 25 years now. She's raised four boys who are now grown men with the the work of positive parenting curriculum. She now, I think, is a grandmother to like, gosh, 10 babies or something. She still schools me in the ocean. We ocean swim together. um, And she's just like so strong and incredible. She's also a life coach who introduced me to the life coaching work I do with Your Infinite Life training and coaching company. So I'll be at a weekend course with her in early December where she will just be literally changing lives and I get to assist her in that and she's taught me everything I know and I just adore her and I'm so grateful she's become like a second mom slash best friend to me so Susie Walton she's the founder of Indigo Village and she's just incredible because she she also represents a different generation right Mm. like I love having different Mm. generational mentors and friends who also believe in all the same things I do and then she has stories upon stories about how what I teach the work you know really does apply to real life because she's had 25 years teaching children and then these four men that she's she's raised all with it too so she's incredible yeah I loved hearing her talk about her relationship with her with her guys now you know like as an adult it's so cool do you know her Instagram or her social where we could find her yeah, so I think she's Susie K. Walton on, on Instagram. And if you Google Indigo Village, I'm sure you'll put it in the show notes too. But okay, um, for sure. Indigo Village with Susie Walton and, and you'll find her that way. Okay, Wendy, what is the one message you'd like to send to the world? Yes, one message. Oh, this is so hard. But <laughs> um, So lately I did some work around just becoming really clear about what my favorite thing to do in my business is because I love to help all families, you really, you don't have to be in crazy, like have crazy pain points with your kids to benefit from getting a solid foundation in positive parenting curriculum. Like it helps everybody. It's magical work. Um, however, I have found that my niche and the, what I enjoy the most is helping the families who really do want to do a 180. So, and that really involves like after, for me, it's after experiencing and using like both like very trauma filled discipline with my daughter and then also like very like connection based, incredibly effective and relationship building discipline and methods with her. I realized that I really want and I'm here to serve families who want to end painful generational cycles so they can create family legacies that they're proud of. And that often is a very courageous endeavor that includes stepping up into learning and choosing to end this idea that you have to use fear and force and hurt your kids in order for them to to be good humans. And I just think it's such an honor that I get to support families in that um, endeavor. All right. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Wendy. You were a wealth of knowledge and I'm so thankful for our conversation. You all can find Wendy on Instagram. She is Fresh Start Wendy. You can find the Illuminate Podcast on Instagram. We are the Illuminate Podcast. You can find all of Wendy's resources that she talks about in this show at freshstartfamilyonline.com. Don't forget, head over to whatever podcast platform you're listening on and hit us up with a rating and review to help support this podcast. We appreciate you being here. 
so very much and can't wait to continue bringing you great conversations with people who are illuminating the world around them. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day, friends. Thanks for being here.